You're listening to Inside Lebo, a podcast giving you an inside look at Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, hosted by Assistant Municipal Manager and Municipal Planner Ian McMeans and Assistant Public Information Officer and Online Editor Stephanie Hackey. Hello and welcome to Inside Lebo. I'm Assistant Municipal Manager and Municipal Planner Ian McMeans. And I'm Public Information Officer and Editor-in-Chief Laura Pace-Lilly and for Stephanie Hackey, who is on maternity leave. Yes, we wish Stephanie all the best. So returning to our show today is our first three-time guest on Inside Lebo, Public Works Director Rudy Sukel. You heard him talk about leaves and snow removal on previous podcasts. Today he's here to discuss sewers and stormwater. So how are you doing today, Rudy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. Great. Thanks for joining us. So just as a brief baseline for our listeners, how many miles of sewers do we have in Mount Lebanon? Well, we have two separate systems. We have the sanitary sewer system and the storm system. Uh, the sanitary system consists of about 155 miles of, of sewer pipe, mainline sewer pipe, and about 75 miles for the storm sewer system. And just as an added little fact, uh, we also have 5,290 sanitary manholes. Uh, we have 3,024 storm inlets and 1,951 storm manholes. So that's a lot of structures to maintain. That is, yes. And we have those all mapped out through our GIS system, so we know where they're all located and have a lot of good information on them all, too. We do. We know the depths. We know the conditions. We know which ones need rehabbed and and so forth, yes. Wow. So residents don't often think about their sewers. Um, Can you tell us why proper maintenance is so important? Well, uh, maintenance helps to prevent blockages and and any other obstructions in the pipes, uh, which can lead to property damage, health hazards and more extensive and costly repairs. So we try to do what we can to prevent those. Uh, you know, there's there's things that are beyond our control, like roots growing into the sewers and so forth, but there are preventative practices that we use to try to uh, eliminate or mitigate the uh, possibility of that happening. We do like a root control program every couple of years that we go through all the sewers. It's on like a rotating basis, right? Uh, it's based on what we've found. So over the years, as we inspect the sewers or we have blockages and issues, uh, we do a couple of things. We used to go out and we had what was known as a periodic checklist that we would go out and actually jet the sewers on a periodic basis, usually six months to 12 months. Uh, but that does damage to the pipes on the inside because you're using about 2,500 to 3,000 PSI of water jets inside the pipe. Wow. And if there's cracks, you can actually destroy the pipe from the inside. So we've we've migrated and th- this was, uh, we tried a pilot program in I think it was nine, 1999 or 2000. Uh, we started a chemical re- control program where we use a, a herbicide, a contact herbicide that's applied by a contractor that comes in uh, and it's generated in a foam uh, material that's placed inside the pipes and it gets on the roots and it kills the roots and keeps them from uh, blocking the pipes. It doesn't do any damage to any of the trees or bushes that are up above ground. It just kills the roots that are right in the pipe and just around the outside uh, diameter of the pipe. Yeah, that's a great service that we provide to help keep our sewer lines clean so that things can flow steadily from the households through our system and on to Alcasan. Right, because it's a gravity system, 100% gravity. And I can tell you, because I've been here long enough now, that the calls have been tremendously reduced with the programs that we have implemented over the years. So the back, the calls for back backups and blockages are typically the private laterals. That's where we find the problems. We go out and check every one when we're called. But uh, And that's something I'd like to ask our residents to do as well. If, uh, if you do have a sore problem, don't hesitate. Call the Public Works Department or call 911 if it's off hours. 
because if it is in the main line and you call a plumber, you're going to have that plumbing bill and we can't reimburse you for it. So it's it's best if we go out and we check the sewer first, the mainline sewer. If there's not a blockage there, then we'll let you know that and you can call a plumber after that. You mentioned a lateral. Um, some folks might not know what that is. What is that? That's the pipe that leads from your house, your wastewater pipe from your house and carries the wastewater out to the main line. Okay. And it, where it connects to the main line is the Y connection. So, so that you, could be either in the front yard or the backyard? It could be wherever, right, wherever gravity takes the flow. And usually there's a little pipe in, uh, it's called a fresh air vent, uh, either in your driveway or behind your house. And that typically tells you if you're if your uh, sewer goes out the front or the back. And we also have mapping available, GIS mapping, public mapping with all of our source systems on our website at mountlebanon.org. You can go there under GIS public mapping and find out where your sewer goes. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that covers a lot about the sanitary system. You also mentioned the storm sewer system that we have. And Mount Lebanon was one of the first communities to institute a stormwater fee to help us um, you know, have some funding available for uh, maintenance on that extensive storm sewer system. Can you talk a little bit about um, how we maintain our stormwater system and how we manage stormwater in the municipality? Sure. Uh, we do have some operation and maintenance programs in place. Um, we do inspect every single inlet every single year. Uh, we're doing them actually right now and we record that on GIS. So we'll go in and we'll look at the structures of the, the actual storm inlets and we will uh, determine if they need repairs and what the extent of those repairs are and we'll schedule those either more quickly if they're more urgent or later on in the year. Uh, keep in mind all the storm inlets are typically along the street. So if there's a defect in the sewer, it could cause a road under, undermining of a road or cave-in or something like that. So. Uh, they are checked and, and, and cleaned every year um, in the spring. And all of those, uh, what did I say? We had 3,000 inlets. They're cleaned and inspected wow. every year. That's a lot. And then the pipes, you don't typically see, you know, obviously with storm systems, you don't see a problem until it rains. So if we have issues with blockages or backups, which we typically don't because we do a pretty good job of managing the debris that gets into the storm inlets, uh, we don't usually see blockages with those, but if we do, it's usually ponding on a road or something of that nature. We'll go in, we have our own uh, closed circuit TV equipment where we can put robotic cameras in the sewers and see what's going on, or just jet the line open with our jetter equipment that we have. Wow. So we hear a conversation about a consent decree. Can you tell us what that is about and what it means? Basically what the consent order is, um, it, it's the, uh, it's, it's, the municipality trying to get the stormwater out of the sanitary system. So as I said initially, we have two separate systems, a stormwater system and a sanitary system. The storm carries the storm from rain, any rain source or groundwater. The sanitary system, should it's designed only to carry the wastewater from homes, uh, homes and businesses, I should say. So our programs with the consent order are designed to determine uh, where the water is coming from if there is stormwater getting into the sanitary system and eliminate that source. So we do that through monitoring, through uh, CCTV, closed circuit televising, uh, and also uh, flow monitoring during rain events, wet weather and dry weather events. Uh, that helps us to isolate parts of the system. Again, you know, when you have 155 miles of pipe, it, it could be just about anywhere that the water is getting in. So as we monitor and work our way upstream, we define the areas that we want to uh, uh, make repairs and, and eliminate those water sources, and that helps us to, to find those areas. 
and that consent decree, I believe, really kind of grew out of um, you know federal and state mandates on Alcasan, which is where all the wastewater goes for processing, um, because of the overflows that were happening throughout the system. They said you know Alcasan has to um, you know improve their capacity, and also the 83, I think it is, contributing municipalities also have to do what they can to eliminate that. I think they call it I and I, the inflow and infiltration from, like you said, stormwater getting into the sanitary system. That's correct. And the bottom line is the the systems that were designed 100 years or more ago are only designed to handle a certain amount of load, and that load is the wastewater that comes from your home, not extra stormwater. Uh, that fills the pipes up, which causes backups and blockages, backups in the basements, man manhole overflows, and it also causes issues. They can't treat that amount of water at the treatment plant, so it flows straight through and causes overflows that go that that, that makes uh, raw sewage go directly into the river. So that's what we're trying to eliminate. Which ends up in your drinking water, exactly, right? or downstream in Ohio. Right. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that uh, we've been able to do um, recently with our sanitary system is we use a, a liner installation rather than having to dig up and replace the whole pipe. So can you talk a little bit about that process of putting the liners in and how that works? Yeah, the lining is, uh, is a technique that's used. It's non-invasive, basically. So um, instead of digging up the pipes and replacing sections of pipe, which and at times you have to do because of the... Uh, the condition of the pipe. It may be beyond 50 or 60 percent opening of the hole in the ground. But when you can line, uh, a liner is typically installed from manhole to manhole. Uh, and what a liner is, it's what I tell residents and other folks that ask, it's, it's basically a, a fiberglass sock that's soaked in a resin that cures. So they invert the liner, soak it in a, a, a plastic resin, and then they invert it back into the sewer, and then the resin cooks because they either introduce steam or hot water inside of the That's uh, liner. Cool. Yeah, and, and it uh, it basically gives you a brand new pipe inside of the existing pipe. And then they have to go in with robotic cutters, and anywhere where there's a, a connection from a home, a Y connection with the laterals that we talked about before, they have to reestablish that. And it's pretty cool because they have a robot a robotic cutter camera that they can see from inside the sewers and reestablish that hole where the sewage can then flow into the main line. Not a job any person I know would want to do, so that's a good thing. No, and it's, I mean, it's done robotically, you know, and, and remotely. So right. you're working out of a, a heated or a cooled cab and, you know, remotely watching a telephone. That's a television cool. screen. But it also, it, it does a couple things. Number one, it, it reestablishes the structure of the pipe. Number two, it eliminates the inf uh, infiltration of water, which comes through the joints of the old clay pipe that's every three feet. And it also eliminates the roots being able to grow into the pipe for the nutrients that are in sewer water. So you're kind of doing a lot of good with just installing one liner. So it's it's a pretty big bang for your buck. Yeah, and don't have to rip up people's yards or the exactly. street. Like exactly, that. and it's a pretty quick, quick process. It's done, a segment can be done in one day. And we probably have lined close to 20% of our system so far. So wow. we've been at it for quite a while. Yeah, Great. Well, we will take a short break and be right back with more from Public Works Director Rudy Sukul on our sewer talk. Sure. 
Welcome back to Inside Lebo. We're here today with Public Works Director Rudy Sukel discussing our sewer system, which in Mount Lebanon is a separated sewer system where we have one set of pipes for the sanitary water and one set of pipes for the stormwater. Um, so to fund the stormwater system, um, we're all operating under a federal permit that's required for the discharge of our storm sewers. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. It basically treats stormwater as a utility. So any stormwater that is discharged from the municipality to our downstream neighbors through streams, waterways, and so forth, um, it, the primary concern with our permit is the quality of the water. And right now we're working on phosphate loads and also uh, sediment. So give us an example of some sediments or phosphates that might get in. Phosphates would be from soaps and car washing and so forth, mm -hmm. from driveway washing that goes directly into the storm sewers and directly into the streams. Uh, sediment could be just erosion and scouring of the side of uh, uh, streams and, and creeks and so forth that, that uh, run through the parks and the different areas in Mount Lebanon. So we've been rehabilitating some of the stream bed uh, banks and so forth to uh, uh, mitigate and eliminate some of those sediments that work their way down into the lower stream, stream runoff. So a lot of these projects that we're talking about sound expensive. Can you talk about the expense and the rising costs of some of these stormwater projects? And, yeah. what, and what happens to our stormwater funds when these projects are under, it, underway? And it's not just the projects. It's the annual maintenance that's required to our, our O&M plans, our operation and maintenance. Um, just alone, our, uh, our, curb, uh, our curb program with our street reconstruction is funded from the stormwater fees. Uh, initially, we, we set aside about $500,000 uh, when the fee initially started with our stormwater fees to cover the cost of concrete curbs because that's a conveyance system. It's the gutter, it's the curb and gutter along the edge of the street which directs the water down to the storm system. Mm -hmm. So it's part of the conveyance system. So initially it was about $500,000 to cover the cost. Now we're upwards of $600,000, $650,000 to $700,000. Uh, and recently we've seen those costs escalating with the cost of materials, the cost of labor, concrete contract costs, and those type of things. So we've seen a pretty dramatic increase in the last three or four years where the costs have really jumped up. And then our, our regular maintenance, you know, you have labor costs, you have materials. Uh, concrete has jumped probably 20, 30% in the last couple of years um, for our, our uh, staff to go out and make repairs to the inlets that we inspect and we find issues with. Uh, fuel costs have jumped dramatically, so you know we use fuel a lot of fuel in the different equipment that we use to inspect and maintain the source. So there's there's a, everything that we do. Our labor costs have gone up. We've seen increases across the board in everything that it takes to do these projects. So then, is that the primary reason that the stormwater fees are going up in 2024? That you know, the first time in over a decade they've increased. But you know, I know everyone got the letter in the mail that says, "Hey, your fees are going up next year." That's what we're trying to do: is cover our costs and maintain the quality of the services that we've been providing over the last years mm -hmm. since the the fee was initiated. And we have used that money to expand the stormwater system too, right? To install new sewers, new inlets. That's like correct. That. You know, I, I, as recently as today, I just got a thank you email from a resident over in Sunset Hills. Um, we we've been correcting ice spots where stormwater is dumped out into the street or it runs along the street. We've increased uh, coverage and expanded our conveyance system, which means more pipe, and more inlets to capture some of that water that eliminates those ice spots that we've seen in the wintertime. And some of them can be pretty dangerous. So, you know, it's not only a, a health issue, it's a safety issue as well. So that, that helps us to maintain that program as well. And 
honestly, we've had to limit our projects based on the amount of funding that we have now. So we have to pick and choose the worst of the worst, which we do anyway. Uh, but you know, there's always more that we'd like to do, but we're, we're limited to the amount of funding that we have to spend. And before we had that, a lot of these things were overlooked. And you know, it, nobody knows that there's a problem with the stormwater system until it rains and it doesn't rain all the time. So we had to look for alternative funding to, to handle these things. And this is what we use now to, to manage our storm system. Yeah, and we've used quite a bit of money from that fund also to mitigate some flooding areas that we had, particularly after was it the July 2018 mm -hmm. storms right. that there was. There were a couple flooding areas that we noticed, and we dedicated some funding to addressing those too. That's correct, yes. And so, some habitual areas like the, the storm swale that was put in over at the golf course to keep correct. the water from coming down the big hill of the golf course into the. And that helped more than just a few people. That's that helps right. a large neighborhood. That's right. And we kind of got, um, you know, kind of a double bang for our buck there because it also helped us with our MS4 permit too because we get some credit for stream restoration when we corrected the stream issue downstream. So uh, stormwater issue downstream. So that we got more than we helped people, but we also helped ourselves by getting credit for our stormwater uh, program. Uh, well, so break it down. What kind of fee increase are we talking about here? We're going from $8 per ERU to $9 per ERU. So it's a $1 increase. Uh, that, that's per month, right? That's, that's per month, that's yeah. right. So annually it would go from $96 to $108 per year for a residential unit, which all of our residential units are, are, are at that one ERU, uh, which is a equivalent res residential unit. Commercial is different. It's based on uh, square footage of impervious surface, which means the water can't go through it, it runs off of it, and how much they contribute to the, the stormwater runoff. And everybody pays into this, right? So unlike a That's tax correct. increase, um, some of our largest um, impervious services are owned by nonprofit schools, hospitals, things like that. So they pay just like residents. That's pay. correct. That is correct. And then they, how long will this fee increase be going on? Uh, the increase is uh, after next year's increase in 2024, uh, there's a 12.5% increase for five-year period. And then it will be based on the CPI after that. Okay. So yes, and I believe uh, everybody got information on that in the mail with their stormwater bills this year so that people could start preparing for next year. That's correct. Yes. All right. Great. Well, thank you once again, Rudy, for joining us for your third visit here on the Inside Levo podcast. It's always great to have you on. I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about some more uh, public works stuff that your department does. And uh, if people missed Rudy's two previous appearances on the show, you can go back and listen to the one on leaf collection and the one on snow removal, which are uh, at least the snow removal is a pertinent topic this time of year as well. So thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of Inside Lebo, our producer producer is Carrie Magno with theme music written by Drew Magno. And Chris Leeper designed our logo. Check back in two weeks for another episode of Inside Lebo. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Inside Lebo, produced by Mount Lebanon's Public Information Office. Learn more about all things Lebo at mountlebanon.org or by following our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.